0: Boys, I'm going to have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I'm going to have a real issue if you aim low and miss. That you get nothing for coming in last, and by the way, you can't just have it because you want to. He said, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful.
1: <sighs> Alright guys, welcome to lucrative lessons number four. Got your boy Kyle Barger from Columbus, Ohio.
0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Trey Spiller from Denver, Colorado.
1: And our main man from the East Coast, Min Lee behind the scenes. Min Lee behind the scenes. All right, guys. So, on today's episode, we want to talk about some of the common pitfalls of uh, new business owners, first time business owners, and how you can kind of develop your perspective or your mindset to make sure you're the most efficient with your time, your gift, and to bring the right people on board. Uh, along your journey toward uh, entrepreneurship, running a business, building whatever your why is uh, from our past episode. So, Trey, uh, give me some insight on maybe some of your first hires and where you thought, hey, my business is growing, I need help, you know, the difference between a contractor versus an employee and, and where you needed help first.
0: Yeah, I I can speak to a little bit of our relevant experience that we have here. Um, We get to a point of really where trading our time for money uh, hits a stalling point, right? So I can no longer trade any more time for a bill rate that I would be um, submitting to a client. So about a year and a half ago, we got our first true employee um, to where it actually helped us leverage more time. But it took me so much more at the beginning of, uh, you know, training this employee, getting them onboarded, making sure that they understand what the business process is, all the standard procedures that are going through. So uh, it took us a little while to, to actually understand that trade for time, uh, time for money. But, um, you know, it's it's uh, we're up to, I think, six or seven employees right now with our, uh, our existing business. So uh, everyone that we train, it's uh, it's just add value for us right now.
1: Yeah. And so for you as a business owner, as you've brought on six or seven employees, uh, ideally that, that frees you up to do whatever you're best at or to help grow your business, right?
0: Yeah. It, it allows me to honestly focus on sales, right? I mean, that's ultimately the crux of our business. Now everyone's going to have a little bit different. It might be creative. It might be, um, you know, making sure you stabilize. It might be operations. For me, it's all about driving home and uh, being the sales guy, really the, the front man and, Uh, making sure we get a lot of deals in in the pipeline. Now, I couldn't do that if I was getting bogged down and doing the day-to-day work of actually uh, delivering deployment, delivering uh, methodology, you know, paperwork and all that stuff. So I had to train people what I knew. And that's honestly the scariest part in in how to let go sometimes is uh, really hard for me. I don't know what you've uh, had in that experience, but, um, you know, letting go for me, it's still very hard. I, I, I always have my hand somewhere. I try not to micromanage. I really don't. All, all my employees really work from home and stuff like that. But it, it's hard to let go and let other people's ideas come to fruition and say, okay, just, just let them run. But that's part yeah. of my hiring process is to really make sure I hire smarter people than myself and, and just better, more creative people than myself and let them do a better job than I ever could.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, I think you touched upon something good there. So I, I think a good perspective is maybe hiring where you're weak, but also the, you know, the opposite of that is being able to focus on where you're strong. So for you, that's sales. I, I'm in the same boat. So, you know, I sat down with a couple uh, people who are like titans in their industries and we just started talking about our, our different businesses and, and the insights they gave me as they were like, Kyle, look, you, you've made X amount of dollars in your first year with your company, yet you're still getting bogged down doing remedial tasks that you could hire somebody for 10 bucks an hour to do. And I'm like, yeah, but like I want to make sure it's done the right way. It's all about making sure the client sees a, an A-plus product. At the end of the day, you, you got to look at your opportunity cost. So for me, if I'm good at sales and that's where I need to focus to grow my business for round numbers if i could bring on a new client that bills at $300,000 a year you divide that by your time you know divide that by 52 weeks divide that by 40 hours and you essentially have your bill rate and if you can hire somebody to free up an hour of your time that's lower than that bill rate that's an easy decision right and a common example of that is like everybody has to mow their yard right if you make $20 an hour at work and it costs you $30 to mow your yard, but it takes you two hours to mow your yard, that's easy math, right? You're gonna come out ten dollars ahead. So you could go work two more hours, you could have somebody cut your grass, you come out ten bucks ahead, or maybe it's even the opportunity cost of spending time with your family, doing something else you love, relaxing. So, you know, anytime you can hire somebody who's gonna do the job uh equal or even semi-close, and it's cheaper than your bill rate, then you should make that decision every time.
0: Yeah, you bring up a, a really good point, too, as is, is, uh, hiring the right type of people. And you're talking about that opportunity cost. A lot of times the opportunity cost in my particular industry does not make sense to bring on employees, right? We hire out subs or very specialized individuals uh, to get a particular task done. And a lot of people will see this in like, you know, whenever you hire a lawyer, or you hire an accountant or you hire a graphic design artist that they specialize in one specific thing and let them do it very well. Uh, and that's what we've really found a very good niche at, as opposed to trying to build another one of me, right? I always uh, call it like another mini me, right? Instead of building another me, um, sometimes we just have to specialize and contract that out. So, uh, you get a lot of good and bad. I mean, dealing with contractors is always up and down. Uh, if you find the right one, obviously it's a steal, but, um, you know, really, really evaluate what you're looking for. Um, that, that's what I always have to do. Well, and I think along those lines,
1: you have to triage, right? Like a good way uh, to sit down and, and organize this is is see how you spend your time in a given day, see how you spend your time in a given week, reevaluate that if you're spending. Out of a 40-hour work week, only 10 hours on sales, and that's the backbone of your business, you need to figure out what's wasting the other 30 hours of your work week, right? If it's doing admin work, if it's doing marketing, if it's doing your social media, you need to figure out ways to outsource that, especially if that's the backbone of your business. Or, particularly, if you're a business owner who's maybe not skilled at some of these other things you're working on, Like, find somebody who is and make that their full-time focus, And one of the beauties of like today's job market is, you know, we just had three interns this summer and those were really smart, capable guys that could do some remedial stuff and could also really help us out at a bill rate that worked for us and an hourly rate that worked for us where I didn't have to worry about finding somebody with salary and benefits and finding 40 hours of work for them. This was something where these guys had about 30 hours of work each week. We had them on all kinds of different tasks. They learned a bunch from us. We got a bunch out of out of their efforts, and it was a total win-win.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, another good point there. Um, we have to constantly battle hours. What are what is an hour worth, right, to someone's time? And we can always put a number on it, but uh, in our industry, we battle that very difficult, right? It's it's extremely difficult to value what exactly an hour is because sometimes you'll get into contracts. It's like, well, it takes some someone. A year to fix this. It'll take someone six months to fix this, but we can come in and fix it in a week. We can come in and fix it in a day or maybe vice versa. Right. So you have to really balance that equation out and really understand um, as a business owner, what is that true cost going to be to you in order to get a problem fixed? Or in order to make more money, right? Because if you have to put someone on salary for forty hours a week, sometimes um, they're sometimes they're not worth it. Sometimes they're worth more than it. I mean, you have to really evaluate it. But you know what I'm saying? Well, I, it's it's crazy. Yeah,
1: that that's that's such a good point. And like, there's an old adage that I read. I think it was on LinkedIn. Somebody posted and they said, you know, this company comes out to fix a wind turbine and they quote a yep. hundred thousand dollars for the job, and it takes them eight weeks. And then there's an older guy who's been in the business for a long time, and he says, You know what? I can fix that wind turbine, but it's going to cost you $250,000. And he comes and he tightens one bolt on it, and it's fixed. And the company feels ripped off. And he says, You're paying for experience, right? So not mm-hmm. everything is going to be equal. So, like, especially for you, Trey, like, if your focus is on sales, maybe like something else you're spending all this time on you could hire somebody and they're going to do it in half the time or you're going to hire somebody and it's going to take them four times as much time. And you got to factor that into how you're compensating them or what kind of jobs they can get done. So that's a, that's a really good point as to, you know, just hiring somebody for 40 hours a week doesn't always
0: mean you're getting 40 hours of quality work. It sure doesn't. Um, you know, and one, one thing that I always have to pull myself back is I can't always just focus on sales, right? um, being an entrepreneur early on in the business, I mean, I had to do a little bit of everything as, as you do. Right. Um, and so sometimes I get so focused cause I enjoy sales so much. You know what? Sometimes you got to keep the lights on. Right. And sometimes you got to do the grunt work. Uh, and that's something that I never get away from, right. You have to understand being an entrepreneur is just a completely different way of life. And sometimes you got to put in those hours. Uh, and I'm sure you've been there many of late nights and, um, just, just never forget that you can't always sub out everything. Sometimes you have to bootstrap it yourself. Put in that uh, that equity, uh, your time equity up front. And honestly, yeah. again, I go back to the point: I respect people far more if they can do the job themselves too. So I always, I think, employees really look up to me, or contractors may look to me with a little bit more respect, knowing that I can do it all, uh, as opposed to just telling and pointing my finger and saying, "Go ahead and it. Sure.
1: And I think there's a fine line there, right? So when you start a business, obviously you're not making the big bucks immediately. Most businesses don't hit the ground running like that. So being able to bootstrap and and wear many different hats is good because you're learning a lot of different aspects of your business. You're learning a little bit about accounting, a little bit about the legal work, sales, marketing, HR, uh, all these things. But if you're ever going to scale your business, you can't be the guy wearing 10 hats. And and, and that's the, the biggest pitfall for business owners. And look, man, same thing for me, like <laughs> our first year in business made a, uh, a million four, yet I'm still doing jobs that somebody would do for $10 an hour So to go to 2.8 if I'm, you know, stuck doing $10 an hour job. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's the common pitfall of yes, grind, bootstrap, learn how to do all these different facets of your job, but then figure out how to teach the
0: next person to take that over and then clear yourself to, to continue to grow. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I can never get away from making the coffee. I still make the coffee every morning, uh, for, (laughs) for the team, but, uh, yeah, that's something I could definitely outsource, but you know, uh, I enjoy doing it. So, well, and some of that's just good leadership, right? So like to me, like knowing the guys on your
1: team and girls, like what their strengths are to put them in the right roles, I think that's incredibly important, but also like, you know, knowing that if you ask somebody to do a job or you outsource something, they know that if you had the time, you'd be doing it yourself. I I think that's key. Cause just like you said, you had a lot of managers that you may not have respected because they either didn't know how to do it or they felt it was beneath them. So they wouldn't do the job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, your business is all about what your, what your guys can do for you and, uh, how well you hire. I mean, it's a huge investment, a huge amount of time that you got to put in. Um, and hopefully, uh, your, your, you have fun at the end of the day with the guys. I mean, that's half the people that I hire too. You also have to think about this. Whenever you hire someone or you're going to work with them, you got to be around them for a long time. So I, I always want to make sure that I, I'm going to enjoy working with these people every day. I, I've actually turned down some guys that were probably far more um, qual, uh, like quality uh, when it comes to work. Uh, I had to turn them down because I don't think I would have uh, really got along with them very well, or there might have been a clash of egos. I'm not sure what it was going to be, but I just had that perspective. I was like, I'd rather take a guy that's going to be hungry. He wants to work right now and he's going to actually learn uh, kind of the way that we do things. And then I want to use him for his capabilities. So I, I don't know if you've run into that, but, um, you know, turning down sometimes better guys is, uh, it, it's hard, but you ha- you have to go through gut instinct sometimes. Uh, for me, is what I've no, done. It,
1: it's totally right. I mean, your your culture is important, and having the right people on there will affect that in a big way. But also, just the the morale, the dynamic. So, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to students who are about to graduate, they're like, "Hey, I don't have skills yet. Like, I've had some internships. Like, how am I supposed to get this job?" I'm like, "Listen." all you bring to the table right now is like really positive energy and like an eagerness to learn, like, if you can like really demonstrate those two things, there's going to be people who take a flyer on you. Even if like your, your background is uh, the wrong degree, maybe your marks weren't as good as somebody else with a 4.0. Like you wouldn't believe how much the chemistry has, uh, you know, comes into play on that. So, so really focus on that. Just being really good on paper is, is, is not the entire uh, scorecard there.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I, I've, I, I kind of made all those marks uh, that you were just talking about on the other end, or I didn't have all the check marks. I didn't have this, but I guess I was an easy enough uh, getting along with the other people that I got a few get jobs early on and I uh, really built out your skill sets from there. But um, you know, I guess one thing whenever you are starting off so that I always have to constantly remind myself that I don't know how to do everything. I'm not the smartest guy out there. I'm not, you know, going to be the best guy at at every job, no matter even, I'm a very good expert at certain things that I do, but there's always someone else out out there better. So a little bit of humbling myself uh, as I go through and making sure that uh, my employees understand that, that, that line of work too, because it ultimately it brings humanness back to you, and then people and the clients, um, especially in my industry, really enjoy the human aspect to it, as opposed to trying to be robot to being perfect at everything. So
1: that,
0: that's that's so true,
1: man. I, I feel like early on in my career, I, I focused too much on trying to be a perfectionist. I couldn't uh-huh. show flaws to anybody, and you're right, you, you lose your humanity. So whether it's a client or whether it's somebody you work with, like no one's perfect. Everyone understands that. Like you put your best foot forward. You don't make sloppy mistakes and you own it when you do make mistakes that that goes so far. So <laughs> I, I'm with you. And plus, yeah. man, you know how much time you waste, like trying to be uber perfect on this thing. Like a lot of times, like you can get the job done, but you're just, you're doing redundancies when you're trying to like make every corner, the 90 degree angle. And, and a lot of times it's, it's wasted time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of being perfect, I, I uh, we were supposed to have a podcast last night, and I, I think I missed that one. <laughs> I was running a little late, you know. But it's the the human element. Uh, we run into family, you run into things, and I think generally people understand. You know, it's it it gets to be a point of frustration, but you know, anyone that you work with that are reasonable people, you understand that things come up, and um, and and within the business, right? I always constantly understand that. And I just talked about micromanaging. Um, that was one of my biggest pet peeves when I was growing up in the industry is people constantly looking over my shoulder. What am I typing right there? Well, why don't you think about it this way? I'm like, A, I'm never going to learn that way, right? So whenever you think about the employees you're training, if you're constantly over them, helicopter they're never going to learn, right? Let them fail. Let them make some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to me, a lot of times they wouldn't do it. They'd almost write it for me as I'm going and, and they wouldn't let me actually put draft the whole thing up and then, uh, take a look at it, tear it down, put it back up. Right. So there was never that learning process. So I always try yeah. to take that with my employees. Now just, uh, you know, take a stab at it, bring it back to me. We'll review it, really analyze it. What do you think? And then go back to the drawing board. So, so, I, so I think that's important. Think about yeah. that point.
1: I think that's brilliant. So one, when you're micromanaging other people, first off, now you have two people doing the same job, so you're wasting time. <laughs> yeah. You might as well not have hired somebody and do it yourself. And then two, when you micromanage, you're creating like a clone of yourself, which for certain tasks can be really good. But if you hired somebody because they're very talented at certain things, that you force them to think the way you think, you're not going to get their benefits and talents to your company of what they bring to the table. Yep. So really like, yeah. you know, you can teach certain things to be done a certain way, but like, ask yourself, like, how important is this to be done this specific way? How many insights could I gain out of having this quality person on my team if I don't just force them to think the way I do? Yeah, and I, I think that's a great team dynamic when you have people who have the ability to speak up, share their ideas and thoughts, and they might have something that you may not have thought of or right. a new perspective or a new way to make a buck
0: right right yeah um it's it's funny because we live in the world of data right our uh, our software consulting firm it's sometimes it's very black and white right but you also get to the point where there's multiple ways to to run the code or there's multiple ways to configure a certain scenario for a business process and i always saw this is how i would do it but i want you to think of different ways of doing it right there's always um you know we always say more than one way to skin a cat right but uh it's uh it's one of those things where they'll never grow if you just tell them how to do everything. Um and some people really like that, but it it depends on the type of employee you're hiring. Um we do have uh a few contractors or employees that just like kind of being told what to do, right? And so that's your judgment of the people, really getting to to feel them out, seeing how they want to grow, if they want to grow. Some people like to rip out yeah. of the repetitive tasks. So you, look, you have to be of like that, that, right?
1: And that's a big part of the leadership, right? Like depending on the type of person you're hiring, they got to be a good fit for the role. Like, there might be certain roles where it's just very redundant, repetitive stuff. And for somebody that's, that's a great job. They can show up, they know what to expect. They get it done. They go home, rinse and repeat. And then for other people, they need to be create and they need to do something different every day. And, and sitting at a desk doing the same thing is, is torture for them. So, yeah. you know, understanding people's strengths and, and where they're going to benefit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you bring up the point. I mean, you have to make sure that, cause you invest a lot of time in these people. I, and I've done it myself uh, many a times. And, um, Whenever you do it, I mean, you got to make sure it's going to be worth, um, you know, worth the return for yourself because it, when it all boils down to you probably become friends with these people. You might have dinner together. You might do all this stuff, but it does boil down to a business. So um, another thing that I've really learned is maybe drawing a line, too, is, is being careful about how close you get to your employees uh, and how much time you're going to be spending with them. It's, it's definitely something to analyze. Um, I, I worked from home for a long time and having people over at my house a lot. And, uh, you know, it, it can be, there's not, whenever there's no boundaries, sometimes it does, um, become very difficult on your business. So that's one thing, if I could say to anyone, be very careful about, uh, bringing, uh, associates close to you, you know. Try to try to keep your friends out of the business. Try to keep your family out of it. I'm not saying it's always wrong, but be very careful about that because it, it, it when it when it comes down to it, it's all about dollars and cents. So just be careful when you're doing that.
1: Yeah, and, and look, you got to look at it from the other side of the table too. It, it, it's got to make sense on the dollars and cents for the person you're hiring yeah. too. Like, right. if you're thinking like, hey, I need this to, I need to get as much out of this person's time and energy as I can, but at a certain point, you spent countless amount of time training them, which really means resources and dollars, too. You've invested in this person, but if you're not making it a, a lucrative and worthwhile experience for them and investing in them, they're going to be gone at some point. And now you're back to square one where you're now reinvesting all this time, energy, and resources into the next version of that person, to, uh, hoping they stick around. So you know, be very conscious of, yes, it's a business. I need this to be a, a good fit for us but you also need to be a good fit for them. If you want good quality people to stick around, Agreed. I agree. But it doesn't always mean, yeah. you know, yeah. love sacks and ping pong tables <laughs> in the break room. It's, you know, finding yeah. out what their goals are and, and helping them achieve them as well. Uh,
0: I remember I had a company there hired me. They had an Xbox. They told me about it like five times. So I was like, well, that's, that's fantastic. But <laughs> you, you got to make sure you, you like where you're going. Um, there, there's no doubt about it. So when it, when it all boils down to, it, do you enjoy doing the work? And, uh, you know, and really moving forward and trying to grow your career. Totally. So,
1: you know, bringing it all back as you, as a business owner start, you're probably going to be wearing many, many different hats, but really take some, some times to just stop, think back to how you're spending your time. Is it the best use of your time? Could some of these be outsourced by software, by contractors, by hiring employees, figuring out where those stress points are, where you need the most help. So that way you can triple down on your strengths or find somebody to help pick up where some of your weaknesses are.
0: Yeah. I couldn't say it. Did I miss anything? Yeah.
1: Awesome. All right, guys, we will catch you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Lucrative Lessons. We hope you learned something today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes. If we earned your five-star review, please leave one. Helps for visibility. Also, you can check out more at llpcast.com. All proceeds go to our 501c3 nonprofit, the Make-A-Day Foundation, where you
0: can find more at makeaday.fun. We'll catch you next time.